You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. Welcome back to Force Perspectives for the third episode of Ahsoka Time to Fly. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me, as always, the illustrious Joe Hogan. Let's do it, baby. How you doing, Mike? How you feeling? Good. Uh, Good. We are once again uh, podcasting from the world between worlds. Uh, Yes. (laughs) This space between spaces outside of time. uh, we're in here. Uh, Ahsoka is in here. The aliens from the end of Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull are in here. And uh, yeah, uh, and uh, uh, nope, we can't reference that one guy now from Marvel because it turns out that he's a dirtbag. So uh, mm. he's not in here, though. He's not in here. But we have uh, Bill Murray. Nope, wait, also canceled. Yeah, we don't know uh, about that one. I, I, was there anybody in the quantum realm that wasn't a problem? We are in here with Modoc, And uh, <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer is here. Michelle Pfeiffer is here. Uh, that'd be nice. Um, Star Wars is mm-hmm. a television uh, property uh, that used to be movies, but now they don't make movies for Star Wars anymore. They just make TV shows, um, and this is one of those shows, Ahsoka. And uh, she has uh, a spiky things on her head that go up, and then also ones that go down. Mm. And they have stripes, and she has orange skin. And, uh, yeah, that's... This was an episode. I it, listen. I liked it. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. There was a lot of cool stuff in it. Um, I, I I like that they managed to retcon Borsk uh, Falia into the into the story. I b- via a character that we actually already know. Um, so that like there was some really fun stuff in this episode. But I actually like. So I watched it last night, and I. Uh, and then this morning, just kind of drop off the girls, and I'm running a couple of errands, and I'm on my way home, and I'm like, oh, I'm recording with Joe this afternoon. Um, I guess I should have some opinions on this episode. What happened? <laughs> and it took me it took me a solid minute to sort of recall. I was like, okay, yeah, we had the talky-talky scene at the beginning, and then we had the, the Zatuichi scene in the middle, and then mm-hmm. we had mm-hmm. the uh, uh, dogfight scene. Um, and, uh, and that, and that, and like, other than that, it's kind of, I don't know. It just, it just kind of, it just kind of went, it just kind of meandered a little bit for me, but, um, but that's okay. I mean, it's third episode, right? Like we're still, we're still establishing a rhythm and, and sort of like, what's this going to be? Um, and we still like, 
it's funny. We're at that place where we were, I think, in the third episode of Obi Wan as well, where it's like, I, like I don't know about I don't know about this Reva character. She's very interesting, but like she had I don't know anything about her yet. Yeah. So I have a hard time like connecting, and I'm having the same thing with uh with with Shin Hati right, where it's like clearly there's something here like clearly there is something interesting underneath the surface of this character because the actor is doing a a lot of heavy lifting Mm -hmm. um to to let us know that right but in terms of like what we've gotten on screen so far it's just it's just kind of meh and then and then merrick is like a non-character like merrick is a helmet and and i just i really hate it when we have star wars characters that are just helmets you know what I mean? It's like, like, like I, you can, you can go deep back into the archives of Frontlines, the Clone Wars podcast when they were bringing back Darth Maul, and you can hear me talk a lot about how I disliked Darth Maul because mm. I was like, he's an action figure. Like, why are we bringing him back? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, 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 because I, I was kind of like, Savage exists. You made Savage, so just like, just double down on Savage Opress. But instead, Savage's storyline. I remember saying this towards the end of that. It was like Savage Opress's storyline. It just exists to bring back Darth Maul. Either just bring back Darth Maul, or like make Savage Opress an interesting character. And I, uh, I, I mean, like, like they they did both, and and they made Darth Maul an infinitely more interesting character in the process. But. um so I say all of that to say, like, like I'm gonna have patience on this and see how it all sort of shakes out. But I don't. It it just. I used to say the same thing about Boba Fett, where it's like everything cool about him was his the way that he looked um, up until up until Mando brought him back and made him mm-hmm. an interesting character. So if anybody's gonna do it, listen, guys. If anybody's gonna make Merrick an interesting character, I think it's gonna be Dave. He's gonna give give that character something eventually. All of the rumors and speculation. Initially, everybody was like, "Well, obviously, it's Ezra," and it's like, "Well, no." If <laughs> Who Ezra, the hell said it was Ezra, right? If Ezra, it will because we can't. We don't see. We they haven't told us what this character's name is, or like this was before we knew that he was Merrick and all that. It was like we don't know this character's name, and he's wearing a helmet, so it's going to be a reveal. And it's like I don't think it is a reveal, guys. <laughs> I don't think that it's special. I think he is Merrick, and that's the character. I think that at some point there will be a conversation. There will be a throwaway line about that fact that he used to be an Inquisitor, and that'll be us going, okay, so that is the the uh, third third brother. Which brother was it? Not the fifth brother, because that's the big shark man, right? Um, the whichever one he was, the twelfth brother. I don't know the one the one that that we thought we saw die um right but that we didn't actually see a body so we just saw his lightsaber fail Mm -hmm. so um but yeah i but the all of the rumors right now are saying because i i guess in one of last week's episodes sam witwer was credited and so everybody's like well obviously that's star killer you guys like I listen, I don't think that Dave is bringing back Star Killer. You guys, I don't think that he's retconning Star Killer into the storyline as an Inquisitor. There's actually a video online that you can find of Sam Whitworth talking about this, yeah. about how like he had lot like lengthy conversations with Dave about Star Killer, and it's like, well, once the Inquisitors were introduced, Star Killer doesn't 
fit into the narrative anymore, right? Mm. Because Starkiller is from a point in time when we didn't have Inquisitors, we didn't have any of that stuff, right? Like the closest we had was like the Purge Troopers, which we still now still have their canon now, right? But um, the idea was that Starkiller was Vader's secret apprentice. So like he can't be an Inquisitor because the Inquisitors are sort of like a lower level than a Sith, right? Like they'll never be Sith, right? Like that's kind of the whole point of them is that like they're kind of like Palpatine and Vader keep them at arm's length in that way. Mm. Um, even the Grand Inquisitor hanging out with Vader in in uh, Obi-Wan is still like not even close, like not even close, right? Like Vader keeps them at such a distance. Um, whereas Starkiller, first off, Palpatine's not even supposed to know that he exists, right? In the beginning. Mm. Um, and it's like the idea is that he's using him to usurp Palpatine, right? So I don't think that Vader's apprentice <coughs> would be a, a, a an attack dog for Balin Skull. I just mm. don't, like, I just don't see that. I don't see how you yeah. get from Vader's apprentice to I'm just, I'm not saying anything and I'm just taking orders from this random guy. Right. Um, Cause Balin is a very cool character and I love him. Uh, and I can't wait to see more of that character like evolve over the series. But I just like, I'm not, I don't get like a Lord of the Sith vibe from him. Right. Like he's sure. like, he's just out there. These guys, like the two of them, Balin and and uh, and Shin are 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 trying to survive, right? Like that's in the same way that like Cal and Marin and and uh, and Ahsoka and Kanan and everything, like they're just trying to figure out how do you make your way in the galaxy now that the the Jedi are are extinct and you know uh, all wanted basically, right? Like like you're you're an instant fugitive how do you figure that out and like this and he ended up going down this weird sort of dark side path as opposed to what we've seen with the others which is they they go into hiding and then can't help it and have to help people right like he went a different way so it's like that's a different this is a very different thing from like you know like he has no i don't think that that i mean like i guess he makes the comments at the end of the second episode right where where shin's like when we find thrawn then what and he's like power beyond anything you can imagine or something like that and it's like okay so like obviously like like he sort of has his designs on on what it's going to be i i think that he looks at it and goes like well i'll restore the jedi order but like in in my own image like like my vision of it sort of thing but like he's not a sith like that's for sure Hmm. right no yeah like davis said that that's why they have orange lightsabers and not red but this idea that that character is Starkiller is just like I it's, it is so far fetched. I'll 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 be very 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 surprised. I mean, like, could Sam Witwer be playing Merrick? Sure, right. But but if we see him without a helmet, I think he'll be an alien species. I mean, that character from Rebels is supposed to be an alien species, um, some sort of a something or other jumper. I don't know. There's some. Mm-hmm. There's some visual dictionary entry or something that says that he's some other thing other than a human. But um, I would love that, actually. Like, if they t- if he does take his helmet off at some point, and it is absolutely Sam Witwer, but he's got, like, 
purple makeup on or something like he's oh, like another man. color and it's like there he is you guys got what you wanted but he's not star killer the the fanboys would like start flipping cars and <laughs> lighting things on fire because because that character is like one of the main like guy uh, i i toxic uh star wars like rallying cries right it's like there uh, there there's there's a there's a trinity of them it's star killer bane and uh and revan it's those three characters like like if i ask you who your favorite star wars characters are and any of those three are in your favorite star wars characters i know that we have polar opposite opinions on star wars mm. because it's like uh, like star killer is a video game character right like full stop like i love the force unleashed games they were very fun to play and the story of the first one is a very good story the story of the second one's kind of eh. but that character's journey i find very interesting i think it's really cool um that said pulling star destroyers out of the sky and shooting lightning and you know ripping things apart and stuff like that like it's nothing is like those are video game powers yeah you know like that's a video game character even if he did exist in the canon he wouldn't exist in the same way he wouldn't do the same things but what those fanboys want to see is they like they they actually don't care about the characters and that's like that's sort of the that's where it's like that's their red flag is when they say those three characters they actually don't care about those characters what they care about is especially with with you know anything old republic like knights of the old republic or um uh, force unleashed is cinematics right like 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 they they want to see like fmvs right they like they they don't they don't play final fantasy 7 for the story they play it for the cutscenes <laughs> like they don't actually care about what's happening in between or any of the actual like character stuff they just care about seeing full motion video you guys like, <laughs> like those those um i can't remember the the name of the studio that that's done them but the all of those um the cinematic trailers for the old republic they're like was it blur yeah yeah it was blur they are um they are like systemic toxic star wars in my opinion because like that's the when people watch obi-wan and then they go and that and they watch the final fight between between obi-wan and vader and they're like that wasn't a very good lightsaber battle and it's like i'm sorry excuse me what are you talking about it's one of the best lightsaber duels in the entire saga, right? Like it's 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 so much better than the one in in Revenge of the Sith, right? Like it's almost, to, in my opinion, it's the do over on the one in Revenge of the Sith, which is all flash and then like a bit of substance at the very end, right? Um, but what they want is they want a slow motion Jedi flipping over a lightsaber that's been thrown at them, <laughs> and like 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 they just they just want to see special effects happening right like mm. they don't care about the story or anything like that and then like with the star killer thing it's very similar where like they just they don't actually care about that character they just want to see like that power being displayed like that power mm. fantasy being displayed um and like i don't necessarily have a problem with those in the right time and place right in the context like i also <coughs> think that that stuff is cool I just don't think that it has a place 
in narrative Star Wars, right? There's a very big difference between interactive Star Wars and narrative Star Wars. Um, although I would say that like the 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 Jedi Fallen Order and Survivor games manage to find <laughs> exactly the right balance between mm-hmm. narrative and interactivity. It's like I feel powerful. I feel like a Jedi when I'm playing those games. But at the same time, like the story dictates when and where, right? And and that's the way that it should be. Um, and there's nothing like too over the, I mean like like listen there's some over the top stuff in survivor but um but it's over the top stuff that got earned over the course of two games mm. and and it uses established canon not that canon matters because we can always create new stuff but it create it uses established um i uh, rule sets in order to do it right like it it doesn't um it doesn't it doesn't go it doesn't take force pull and turn it into ripping a star destroyer out of the sky right which is very cool and very fun but just there's a reason why those are called the force unleashed right like it's 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 meant to be hyperbolic and over the top right and i don't think it's meant to be taken literally as canon story no no like that's that's kind of always the way that i felt about that but, Even the devs were very vocal about that. Like, yeah, no, <laughs> like it's just fun. We amped it up specifically so that it was fun. We know Jedi don't actually, you know, have these types of powers like this exaggerated or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So anyways, I like, like, and th- that's where I say like, like just to have Starkiller show up in a narrative regardless of anything else like he he will ultimately be a disappointment to the fans yeah right because he will not be ripping star destroyers out of the sky or shooting like lightning bolts you know through 500 stormtroopers at once right like that's just it's not that's not the type of stories that they tell um if anything like i i actually think that dave has actually like really 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 pulled back a lot of that stuff even from like the clone wars and the prequels like like you think about sort of what's happening in this episode and the force stuff is very subdued right like it's very very chill and sort of like like it's 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 meditative even even the zatuichi scene which uh, the fact that she straight up says that like she calls it that, which for people who don't know, Zatoichi is a, is a blind swordsman. Like he's a character in in um, Japanese pop culture that he's like a samurai that can't, you know, he wears like a blindfold and and is like unbeatable, right? Like he can he can sense like a feather falling and like slice it in half perfectly, right? Um, so that reference like that when she when she's kind of like we'll do this lesson is referencing that and it's and it's putting the helmet on and everything and i i did i did see a couple of people online be like oh the helmet thing again it's like yeah (laughs) yes it's not like like i think i think the important thing to remember from a from a storytelling perspective is that yes the first time we were introduced to that was obi-wan in you know the 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 
whatever the activity area, the lounge or whatever on the Falcon. And he looks over and he sees this, <clears throat> he sees a pilot helmet with a blast shield and it's got the blast shield down and he goes, put this on because it was there. Right. So he was put this on, you've got the training remote, which was obviously Obi-Wan's right. Which, it, which makes sense that like, you know, he's got a training remote for his own training and here's a, here's a perfect thing. I'll use this, put this on. We're emulating something that we did in the temple. Right. Mm-hmm. So when we see it in Clone Wars, because we see it, we see references to this sort of thing in Clone Wars. We see it in other things, right? In other pieces of media. It's 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 a retcon in a way. It's like a, it's reverse engineering it from the scene with Obi-Wan and Luke, but it is reinforcing the scene with Obi-Wan and Luke. So for for Ahsoka to then like, first off, they are on a Republic ship. This is like this is a Republic Jedi transport, right? So the idea that Ahsoka would have the equipment necessary to train a Jedi on this ship is totally logical. It is not just nostalgia bait. And also it's not the same scene. It's not like she pulls out a training remote and goes, here you go. Train with this remote. It's like, to me, it actually implies that obviously like they've already sort of, they've, they've like passed that, that part of it Mm -hmm. a little bit. Um, And she's like, but she's like, like, here we go. And it looks more like a fencing mask. So it's like, this is like the real deal. This isn't mm-hmm. Obi-Wan pulling a, a pilot helmet, right? Like this is, this is, this is what they would have used in the temple sort of to, to, to do this exercise in the past. Um, but then I think even beyond that, like Ahsoka sort of has, has, is sort of putting her own flair to it or whatever. Right. But uh, I don't like, to me, that was the best scene in the episode. That's one of the best scenes in the series so far is just like the the um the very sort of like reserved and restrained nature in which that's done because it it could have been flashier or it could have been more boring like there's a really fine line there to walk where it's like it needs to be slow and methodical but there has to be tension to it in Mm. order for it to to really work and uh yeah i I don't know i thought i thought i thought that 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 they totally nailed that whole sequence um i've talked a lot since we started recording. <laughs> i i do do you have anything to say about anything that i've said no just like little things just yeah. the tiny tiny things in response um yeah i mean i i hope the uh the chad bros enjoyed this episode there's plenty of fmv type sequences yeah, uh yeah. i think uh i think ahsoka doing a slow motion aerial in space on the wing yeah was something right out of clone wars it felt like felt like a clone wars action sequence or video game sequence which i liked it it was cool like i i i appreciate that stuff i enjoy action when it's fun and creative and i actually totally. really i thought that was neat i thought that was a cool scene um, but you know, like you, like you said, there's not a ton of substance to it. It's so funny because like when I was a, a teenager and, and, you know, in like the prequels were coming out and everything. I remember the thing I was looking forward to the most in every movie was, Oh, the lightsaber duels and the action and 
It's going to be so great, man. And the, the longest duel ever in existence. Anakin yeah. versus Obi-Wan. And it's darker, this movie, because everyone dies. Now I'm just like, no, I like character scenes. I like scenes when characters say and do things and you peel back a layer to them and get a little more about who they are under the hood now. Um, so I, it's funny because I think baby Joe Hogan would have also loved the series and this episode because it was so action heavy, but present day cool guy, Joe Hogan is like, no, I like the, I like the scenes where, where they talk more. That's, that's weird. That's weird that your perspective and opinion changes over time. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, uh, here, here's a question for you as someone who has watched and I, I, I don't remember if you've enjoyed resistance. Uh, Kaz's dad in that one scene arguing with Hera. Is that, do you feel that was in character for him? Because I have never watched resistance. I saw people yeah. saying like, oh yeah, that's Kaz's dad. He's a jerk. Like the the temperature I was getting from those people who were saying that were, oh, that's kind of surprising. Do you feel that that character? Well, first of all, is that character even in the show, or was it just implied in who that character was because of who Kaz? Maybe Kaz had said something, or I don't know if it, if their relationship was ever shown on the show or anything. But like, yeah. was was that like true to form? For the for that character, or totally, totally, hundred percent, hundred percent on point okay. with the character. So, so what our our interaction with uh, Hamato Ziono is the name of the character. I uh, is that um, he was he was supposedly on Hosnian Prime because he's a sentry, oh right? okay. So so uh, at the at the end of Resistance season one, that the the season the second to last episode shows. Star Killer base destroying okay. Hosnian Prime. Okay. So at the end of the first season, we think that it's happened that he's died, that his father has died, and and like Kaz, like we go through that with Kaz. Um, we do end up actually discovering, I think, that in season two that 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 he didn't die, because um, I I think that's the case. Uh, it's been so long because I think I think what happens is like then Kaz <laughs> like. Uh, let me just double check on Wikipedia. Wikipedia. Uh, uh, let's see. When the first order destroyed. Yeah, I, I, Hamato, Kazuda's mother, and the rest of their family survives as, as they had been off planet during the cataclysm. Following the loss of the New Republic Senate, Senator Ziono contacted his son, warning him of the danger his activity as a resistance spy had placed his family in. So, like, there's a moment between Kaz and and Hamato where where he's like, Kaz is like, we need help, right? Mm -hmm. Like, we're on the run from the First Order. They are actively trying to kill us, right? Because um, I I. Uh, the they're not ISB at that point. It's whatever the first order security. Okay. I can't remember the character's name. It's this. It's just so long ago. Um, but she's like got it out for the Colossus and the Aces, right? Like she's she's they want the Colossus basically. Is like because it's basically like a warship, right? Um, is this the gold stormtrooper? 
No, Pi- that okay. was Pyre, Commander Pyre. Okay. So by season two, Pyre, I think actually Pyre maybe dies at the end of season one, but Pyre is like not that big of a deal later on. Okay. Um, it ends up, you end up with this, this, I, I, basically like an intelligence officer who like sort of takes over the whole operation. Um, but like Phasma and Kylo Ren make appearances in, in resistance. Um, it's actually like resistance from episode to episode resistance can be a little bit like it's, it's a, it's a very, it can have a very silly tone to it. So Mm -hmm. it's not everybody's cup of tea, but overall resistance is an important story in the sequel era. I just don't think that people care as much about the sequels as they care about the other eras. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, uh, it was, I think it, it was also very hard for them to chart a course for that series in the midst of the, chaos of making those movies sure right? yeah so resistance was originally meant to serve a purpose resistance was originally meant to be a show about racers right in the outer rim m- removed from the conflict of the first order and the resistance right and it was supposed to be like hey the first order is encroaching <laughs> on this outer rim thing but this is like people just trying to sort of like live their lives like it's sort of to show us what like peacetime looked like um and what and the reason why the rest of the galaxy was like there's nothing happening like what are you talking mm-hmm. about about like leia organa being like like everything's going to hell right and they're like and everybody else in the galaxy is like we don't know what you're talking about we're enjoying these races over here or this over <laughs> here. like 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 everything's fine but it was supposed to be like the resi- the the first order was like trying to infiltrate the colossus right like mm-hmm. like sort of insidiously to give us like an idea that like Oh, so the the first order is throughout the galaxy, sort of like with tendrils everywhere, not overtly with stormtroopers, but like a little bit more of this sort of thing. And then, um, and then they pivoted the show and made it more of a way to like set up the the larger resistance coming to aid uh the 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 like 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 the main resistance like leia's resistance and and discovering like like i think that what they wanted to do was basically use it as like i mean like in the same way that star wars rebels establishes that there's a bunch of rebel cells out there right um and that eventually they all come together and form the rebel alliance that's why it's an alliance because there are all of these different factions that come together to do this and i think that like coming Going into The Last Jedi, having that story in front of them written, I think that they they pivoted the show and went, okay, let's use this to set up that, like, okay, so here's the Colossus and the Aces. This is one faction of the Resistance. And eventually this faction of the Resistance will meet up with with Leia and Poe and ever because Poe is connected to Kaz, right? Like, Poe is the one who recruits Kaz from the New Republic navy and brings him for this secret mission on the colossus in order to like keep an eye on it right for leia right so like there's a connection there and it's like okay so eventually the colossus will hook back up with this other resistance and it'll be like like and and in the third movie like the whole resistance comes together in the way that the rebel alliance all comes together in return of the jedi right like i think that they wanted to mirror that um and then the reaction to the last Jedi happened. And when the reaction to the last Jedi happened, they canceled the show. Like that's, that's the, like that's sort of the long and short of it. So there was like, there was a larger thing going on there. And then there were all these politics going on in Disney and Lucasfilm at the time. The other thing is that they put it on the Disney channel instead of Disney XD. 
because Rebels had gone on Disney XD, but Disney XD was like too narrow cast. And they felt like, okay, <clears throat> what we need to do is we need to like sort of, we need to like Disney Channel has a larger audience. We'll make it a little bit more kid friendly. So there's a joke that like Kaz never hurts anybody, right? The only time Kaz ever any, like ever, ever, ever uh, wars anybody in a, in a Star War is when he's in a cockpit is when he's flying his ship mm. and it only happens like two times. Um, and it's like, it's faceless, right? Like, it's not like we see the first order pilot, right? Like we just see a tie fighter blow up. So it's like, it was very like old school, like transformers, GI Joe rules of like the bad guys never hit each other. So Kaz doesn't carry a blaster. He never shoots anybody. As a matter of fact, like there's a joke, like there's an ongoing joke in the series of like, he's a terrible shot. Like absolutely terrible, and he's and he's klutzy and he's a goof. Um, and they always said like on the on the ground he's like a baby bird, like like he like he sort of like like hops around and looks very awkward. But the second that he's in the air, he like you can't catch him, right? Like he's mm. like like he's a he's an ace pilot, right? Um, and that stuff was sort of all in the show, but but um, but it was like the show is just so compromised. That's the problem is the show is so compromised by the politics Mm -hmm. and the nonsense going on at Lucasfilm at the time. Um, in the midst of the last Jedi and rise of Skywalker and solo and all of that, and them being unsure of things. So it was going somewhere. It was driving at something and it was getting really good towards the end of season two. And I think season three would have been when the show sort of like, made its turn and because this is how this i think this is how a lot of animated series tend to go is that like you you give the network what they want in season one and then in season two you start you start planting some seeds so that in season three you can turn it and you can you can make it now that it's a proven thing it's like okay well we have enough steam let's make this the show that we actually wanted to make in the first place Mm -hmm. um but then they got canceled so we never got season three we never got a we never got a conclusion to that story. The closest thing that we have is that if you squint and freeze frame two shots in rise of Skywalker, the fireball is there, which is Kaz's ship. So anyways, all of that is the backstory to get back to Kaz and, uh, and his dad. So, so like season one ends and we think that, that they've all died. And then we find out in the midst of season two, that that they have survived and Kaz is like good send whatever new republic resources you have left to come rescue us we're on the far side of the galaxy being chased by the first order and we can't get in contact with Poe we can't get in contact with Leia's resistance like something has happened something's wrong and we need that we need whatever's left of the new Republic has like, you have to come save us sort of thing. And, um, cause they had kind of like jumped into the unknown region sort of thing. Right. It's like, <coughs> I sort of removing them a little bit from the, from the fight. Um, and, and, and Hamato is kind of like, no, like there are so few resources left. I'm sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't waste starfighters on you and your friends sort of thing. And it's like, wait, you're my dad though. He's like, he's a, he's like downright like, like bad. Like he's a, he is a bad man. So for him, like for us to flip to Ahsoka and have him be like, this, isn't this just all about Ezra Bridger? Like very dismissively, like sort of like poo-pooing the whole idea of like, 
I think you're just on your little personal quest to save Ezra and you've asked us for resources before. And it's like, well, Ezra's one of the last Jedi. Uh, so, um, so yeah, we should, we should go find him and rescue him. I, uh, and yeah, like, like, but, uh, but, but Hamato is not a force believer. He is one of the doubters. So mm. He's like this, like all of this what? very much makes sense to me. I, I don't character. understand being that old in this galaxy doubting the force yeah like i think it's one of those things i i mean i think listen there are there are there are self-serving politicians there are some dumb people out there that absolutely okay look at the evidence of climate change right and then go yeah but this doesn't get me anywhere with my constituents so Mm -hmm. it's fake Right, like they just they're they're just willfully ignorant, and, and but do you do you think you think that character is willfully yeah. ignorant to yeah. the force? Oh, okay. Uh, he's willfully ignorant to a lot of things, to the oh, growing okay. conflict, to the first order, right? Like 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 he like even in the midst of Hosnian Prime being destroyed, right, and the first order taking over the galaxy, he is still like, no, Kaz, you need to you need to stop this like we like you've put you've put our family in danger with your actions like now there's a target on us and it's like no there was a target on you anyways you're a senator in the new republic the first order wants to wipe you out regardless so fight back right and but like his attitude was very much like i i like we're not let's just not get involved. If we just let the first order do what it wants to do in the outer rim, it'll never be our problem. Right. Like it, like, like very much bury your head in the sand sort of politics. Um, and, uh, like I said, like, like, like they're like, like Kaz, when he contacts him is like, we need help. Right. Because they are literally being hunted by the first order. And he's like, no, no, I'm not going to do that. So yeah, the, the 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 characterization is on point. Uh, it is it is it is uh, razor sharp actually. Um, like the performance is is very 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 good. Um, and the you know who, writing of the character is very good. You know who I think was not really true to the character that we knew. Jason Sindulo. That was weird that he spoke. He's not supposed to do that. He never talks. <laughs> yeah. Very odd. Uh, uh, yeah, because if it's been established in in a previous <clears throat> thing, then we can't we can't change it. Ever no change whatsoever. Right? No, so not he's allowed. Supposed to just be in the background, um, S- smiling and waving. Yeah, with big monkey ears, um, smiling and waving. Um, yeah, I, that that's so funny because I was totally planning. I was like, let's transition <laughs> into this character. Um, I mean, like, here's the thing. Awesome. But also absolutely nothing. So, uh, yeah. like, I like I, I love to see the character. Um, I love that the casting is a thousand percent on point. Um, Looks like baby Freddie Prince a little bit, right? Like, am I crazy? Yeah, a thousand, a thousand percent. Um, <clears throat> and I love the just, like, let's just, let's just plant a seed here. This is mm. David's best, man. This is David is best. I want to go be a Jedi. (laughs) (laughs) So there's obviously like Hera obviously is blocking him from that path. Right. Like that's the subtext there is that Hera does not want him to go train to be a Jedi. Um, Did you catch that? He has 
a little green pauldron on his shoulder. Uh, I noticed that he had a pauldron. Hold yeah, on, I actually it's, saw it's, the. It's it's. it's oh! You know, like, oh! Yeah, it's a. Uh, it it is absolutely cute. a reference to Kanan. So cute. I like um, it. That's yeah, cute. It's fantastic. So yeah, I mean, it was great to see him. It was it was great to see this character in live action. I I hope that this isn't all that we get to see. Um, well, I imagine not, because he comes with the ghost Lego set, which yeah. uh, could mean nothing. Like, it doesn't mean anything. But, like, I imagine he's probably going to be yeah. with her uh, through the... Because we're not done. There, there's there's more Hera stuff from the trailers. Totally, totally. So... Um, yeah, so, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll sort of have to sit back, wait, and see um, no. what's going to happen next. But uh, with that character... But uh, I think I think that we are absolutely just like planting seeds. This is sure. this is yeah. new Jedi Order stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I fast forward another uh, uh, twelve years into the timeline, and he will be uh, a very good age to go. Uh, and well, and then what? New Jedi Order is then like have they given <clears throat> us an exact time frame? It's like ten years after. I think it's fifteen. Fifteen, if I remember years. correctly. Yeah, so like, depending on what happens within this series, right? Um, yeah, it's 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 interesting. <laughs> well, you know what's going to be the most interesting is the ghost is at the Battle of Exegol, mm-hmm. so we know that at least Hera and the ghost, and presumably Chopper, have returned to this part of the galaxy at that point. But it might actually, I mean, like, I, I firmly believe that all of these characters, like Ahsoka, <clears throat> Sabine, Ezra, Jason, they will all be in that other galaxy. That is the explanation for why they are absent from the sequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. It has to be right. Like there has to be an explanation for it. And then bringing them back into the story what did I say in the last episode? It's so funny. No one's listening to us right now, right? Like, like, like it's this is just you and I talking to each other. But eventually, people will hear this uh, after the strike ends, and at that point, it'll be like we'll know yeah, everything. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, but like, I still I firmly believe that we are setting up the Yuuzhan Vong. I like, like, yeah. I I agree with that, and that that's going to be like calling Ray's sequel movie like like a code naming it New Jedi Order. That's what that means to mm. me. Is that like it's it's a it is two things, right? She's going to establish the New Jedi Order, and then the other part of it is that there has to be a new threat, and it has to be an existential threat to the Jedi, right? It cannot be the Sith again. We can't. We did that. <laughs> We like well, it can, it can but hopefully can. not. But we really, really did it this time, right? Like we really, really did it. They turned Dark Empire into a very bad film adaptation of Dark Empire, and I, I like, hey, Dark Empire, one of my favorite comics, like Star Wars comics. I think that the Dark Empire series, like both of them, are phenomenal, right? Um. But uh, especially like given the time and place that they were written in, we didn't really have much in the way of Star Wars canon other than the movies at the time. So um, they uh, they 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 do a lot. They do a lot of heavy lifting. But um, 
just absolutely absolutely bastardized by uh by rise of skywalker um really just like 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 almost like picked over like a carcass is like you know like let's just take these little bits of it um this thing that's been festering for 30 years i uh, but i yeah i like i th- i think i think that like where you go after that right is 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 to this new threat this threat from outside the galaxy um and that you can throw some you can throw some new interesting stuff in there but i mean like i just i don't know man all of that all of it the whole new jedi order is just it's perfect it's perfect for all of this and we we also established Koran Horn in in the canon in Obi Wan like that's yeah, not a coincidence, sure. right? Like like the next the listen if somebody calls like 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 yells over at some kid like hey Kip get off of that you're causing trouble again it's like then we're done then it's a then it's a thousand percent that's what's <laughs> happening right like the second that we have Kip Duran confirmation it's over. It's over. Then we are just fully like, okay, so it's just gonna be the new Jedi Order. Um, but I, yeah, I, it, it's a, all of this, all of these seeds that they keep planting to me. It's like, and then on top of that, leaning into this thing with Sabine and the Force, and um, Dave's so smart. He's so smart because he's gonna tell the story that he wants to tell, but he's gonna tell it in a way that is going to cause the right kind of fervor within the community. Right. Uh, where there's so much, so much, I don't even want to call it debate at this point. Cause it's, there is no debate it's academic. George has said how this works, but, um, there is so much online discourse, uh, about what it means to be force sensitive and who can and can't use the force. And, uh, and this, like Dave is, he just, he knows exactly how to like pull these levers. He's just like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna tweak this knob a little bit and it's going to make them talk about this show. Mm. Like it will be like, there will be conversation, even though it's like the show itself answers the question that everybody is asking, which is obviously Sabine is force sensitive does she have an aptitude for the telekinesis and mind reading and, you know, like the, like the force powers, capital S F capital P no, not yet. But, but also like it's in rebels. It was in rebels where, where Kanan and Hera have the conversation of like, like it's very hard to train somebody in the force who's too, like like Kanan is going easy on <clears throat> Sabine in a way. He's like he's the the conversation is like you didn't train Ezra with a training with a wooden stick with a training blade, right? And and Kanan is kind of like, well, there's a big difference between Ezra and Sabine. And Hera's like, you mean that she doesn't have any doesn't have the force. Is what is what Hera says, and Kanan corrects her. Like everyone has the Force, like the Force is in all living things, but it's just like some people just aren't open to it. And and then he starts describing Sabine, and then Hera goes, "Well, what you just described is a Mandalorian, mm-hmm. right?" And so it's just this idea that like there are there are actual mental blocks in Sabine's upbringing that 
are the there's a reason why the Mandalorian and the Jedi, even though um from a from a social perspective, their orders are actually very similar, right? I uh, that that from a from a, a practical perspective, like they they are uh, uh, f- frenemies at best, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, and obviously, Dave is exploring that. Obviously, uh, Grogu, Sabine, <laughs> Tar Vizla, going back into into the Clone Wars, right? Like. Like, obviously, Dave is interested in the idea of the intersection between these two cultures and um, and bringing this stuff together. And I think that, like, I like wherever Ahsoka and all of these characters end up, Grogu ends up there with them as well. And um, unless unless Grogu's story has finality to it at some point in, mm. in the course of, of what we're what we're the tell the story that we're telling with the Mandalorian at the moment. I don't. I don't know that that's going to be the case. I don't know that. I don't know that Disney would allow that to be the case. Um, I've got a follow up question for these predictions yeah. that you're dropping. Okay, so you're saying, and I'm not. I'm not saying like you're saying this is definitely happening. I'm. Yeah. I'm, I'm clarifying your prediction. We're heading towards a lot of these characters being kind of placed on the chessboard so that they're going to show up at the right moment for this new Jedi. Order era when Ray is build, rebuilding the Jedi Order, and you know we're gonna see uh, Cran Horn. We're gonna see possibly Sabine might be involved if she's you know follows yeah. this Jedi course of action. Maybe Grogu. So all, all of these characters are kind of uh, being. <laughs> I, I hate using the word groomed because of the the negative yeah, 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 yeah. connotation with that word, but you know what I mean. Like they're setting up these characters. <clears throat> so that they can kind of uh, blossom later on and, and be yeah. more central parts of, of the new Jedi Order story. Do you think, because I'm pretty sure this was you last week that said this, because it was something that I really liked when I heard, and usually that's the case when you say stuff. Um, you had mentioned that uh, Shin might be a, a Mara Jade-type character, because I had said that I think Balan is... Joris, and then you kind of countered saying, "Well, yeah, Shin might be the Mara Jade who kind of turned around." Yeah. Do you think Shin is also going to be involved? Yeah, because Mara Jade obviously was, and you know, obviously, you know, Mara Jade became Luke's wife, and that was the whole the whole thing. But not necessarily that. But do you think Shin is being set up to have the same type of character arc that Mara Jade had to then be involved with yeah. these other characters in New Jedi Order? I will call it right now. Okay. Shin and Ezra will end up oh. on a, they will end up stuck together <laughs> under some sort of similar that circumstances. Is, okay. That, that's what, that's what we'll build. That's what we will be building towards. Mm-hmm. There, there, there will have to be <clears throat> that all of the stuff. I mean, like in this episode, she's got the headset and it's Anakin. It's, it's not exactly right, but it's like very similar to Anakin's. Uh, headset in, uh, in well Anakin and Obi-Wan in uh, Revenge of the Sith in the Jedi Starfighter right mm-hmm. like uh, she's got is like that same sort of thing like I have I have been as much as I have studied George Lucas since I became a Star Wars fan at 10 years old since I became aware of Dave Filoni as a person 
uh, which is mostly, I mean, like like pr- prior to to Star Wars Celebration uh, C five in in uh, in twenty ten, but but because like obviously in the lead in in the lead up to Clone Wars and stuff, we saw him and stuff, but it was really like at Star Wars Celebration in twenty ten, seeing him speak in person, seeing him speak in depth in the way that he did, because that was the first celebration after Clone Wars premiered, right after Clone Wars came out. Um. Is that true? Yeah, because it was yeah. 20, 2008 and then 2010 was the first. Yeah. So um, I have been studying Dave Filoni and his storytelling and the way that he does this stuff since the year 2010, really. Like, let's be, be conservative on that, right? <clears throat> um, and it is my experience that Dave very seldom references things by accident that like I was alluding to earlier that like this idea that some people are like, Oh, more nostalgia bait with another, another like, Oh, I, with the blast shield down, how I can't see how am I supposed to fight? Which she like, there's a direct dialogue callback. It's like, I can't see how am I supposed to fight? Right. Like Sabine says that, which is obviously a nostalgic callback. Right. But, but again, like Dave doesn't do this stuff. For nostalgia's sake, sure. I think I think there's there's an attitude that has sort of prevailed since the beginning of Mandalorian of like, oh, Dave and John are just playing with action figures, and then the two of them have reinforced that by saying like, oh, it's like when you get to, you know, like it's like we're just like playing with our action figures, and it's like people have like seized on that as yeah. as this sort of um, gotcha like this, moment, <laughs> yeah, this like <laughs> diminishing uh, uh, sort of ideology, right? And it's like. Listen, that's there. That's certainly there for John. Like, I think that for John, that is paramount. I think that's that's his his motivating factor in telling these stories. Um, I think that for Dave, that that is part of his DNA. He can't get away from it. It's always going to be there. If there's an opportunity to bring Hammerhead into it, then you know <laughs> Hammerhead's going to show up in Bad Batch, right? Um, but but there's also like Dave, Dave is very is very thoughtful about when he puts these nostalgic things in there. There is so much Jedi iconography in the design of Shin Hati. There's so much in that character. Um, it's it is it is impossible to deny it. It <laughs> is absolutely impossible to deny it. That character is primed for a return to the light side like that's and Ezra is the best character to do it it's not going to be Sabine it's not going to be Ahsoka I don't think that I don't I don't think that Ahsoka serves that role right Ahsoka is in this story as a mentor for Sabine to move her on to the next stage Sabine will become a certain type of character um, and then I think return to the Mandalorian stuff at some point like in the in the distant future um uh, and and because like, I still think that there's a there are very real possibility <clears throat> of planting a lot of seeds to unite the Mandalorians and the Jedi into one mm-hmm. one organization, like one group, right? One culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it'll be very very funny when we get that uh, that James Mangold Star Wars story, and it'll establish that like. Just like the Abra- uh, the Abrahamic religions, it's like 
we act like Islam, Judaism, and Christianity um, don't mix when they actually all come from the same root. Right. They'll come from they're like literally from the same person, right? Like literally, like they all believe the same initial uh, things. They all believe in the same God. I like I think that the Sith, the Jedi, and the Mandalorian all come from the same the same source. I. Uh, and they like they do George Lucas. Well, they do, they do, <laughs> right, obviously. But I think I think what you I think what we'll have is the storyline that we'll have uh, that that'll be interesting is that you'll have a group of Force users, right? And you have the the Jedi and the Sith will be the very obvious split from that of like dark side and light side. And then I think that what we'll end up with is that like it'll be a whole culture of like everybody just uses the Force. Everybody just has an aptitude for it, like a natural, like, like preternatural disposition towards it. Right. And that's like the beginning of the Jedi. Right. And then the Sith split off from that because some of them, you know, think that they should be able to murder people in order to uh, accrue power. And the Jedi will be like, we don't like that. And then they'll fight each other. And then in the midst of that, there will be a group of like, there will be a culture of like, this child was born with no aptitude for the force and in order to survive in this society they had to use tools in order to to emulate everything that a that a force user can do just to survive right just to survive fighting against the sith to survive uh, alongside a jedi right they had to develop this skill and that and then you get those three cultures and they split off into what we know as the Jedi, the Sith and the Mandalorians, because like it has been repeatedly reinforced throughout Mando that these tools emulate what the Jedi can do. What do they like? They have these wrist gauntlets that shoot out these cables. And why do they do that? They do it to hold things in place or pull it towards them. Mm. Right. Like they have jetpacks so that they can leap and fly and like traverse the same way that a Jedi can, right? Like like all of these weapons, everything, their their helmets have these visors that allow them to see, you know, sight beyond sight, <laughs> right? Which is what <laughs> Jedi can do. All of it mirrors what a Jedi's abilities are and and like compensate for somebody who exists in a world with Jedi. And, and the way that they've sort of talked about that in the lore up until this point is that the, the Mandalorians and the Jedi were at war for a thousand years. And as a result, the Mandalorians developed all of these tools to counter the Jedi. But you could just as easily turn that and go, it wasn't to counter the Jedi, it was to counter the Sith. Because the Mandalorians and the Jedi 10,000, 20,000, 100,000 years ago fought side by side because they were the same thing. And then we bring them back together in the new Jedi order and Grogu and Sabine are like at the vanguard of that movement of like, Oh, it turns out that actually we're all the same. Right. Um, hmm. I don't know. I could, I could be totally wrong. Maybe that's just <laughs> a really cool idea that I right. have, but I feel like, again, it's like, there's just, it, there are too many things being placed in front of us for it hmm. to be coincidence. And it's like every time we get a new one of these shows, it's like, here's another, here's a couple more pieces, right? Like it just, other than Obi-Wan and Andor, which are sort of their own things. And like, there's little bits, Quinlan being alive, Koran Horn, that stuff, which I think is going to tie into, the path ties into Fallen Order, right? Fall, Fallen Order and Jedi mm. Survivor. Fall, it, it ties into Cal and Marin and their storyline. Um, so I think that we'll have that 
And again, like we just talked about with resistance, like Dave doesn't do this stuff by accident. This stuff doesn't get planted. The story group doesn't plant these seeds by accident. We literally have in front of us, if we ignore time, right in front of us right now, where we exist outside of the timeline of star Wars as observers, we are currently observing three separate paths to a new Jedi order. We have Cal and Marin with Tantalor. We have Ahsoka, <clears throat> Sabine, and Ezra with uh, uh, Peridian. I think was the name of the planet. Is the, people have translated it from the from the um, the end credits, the the destination, the the, the other galaxy okay. or planet or whatever uh, it is. Possibly Jason also. And and possibly Jason with that, and, right? And 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 I think I think if if Grogu's storyline ties back into Ahsoka, right? Then we have that, and then we have Luke's Jedi Order, which leads to Ray to Ray's new Jedi Order, right? So we have like these three different factions of new Jedi that that can spring up. One being Cal, very much being like the old Jedi order. Right. And like, so I think that there will be like a contingent in the future stories of like, they're like these old Jedi have been discovered. It's like, they weren't all wiped out. They, they, they were somewhere and they were protected and the old way is actually protected, but the old way isn't really what we want. And this, this is good because it'll create conflict between Ray and Cal's order. And like, that's interesting right it, it like like not conflict is in fighting but conflict is in like different ideologies different ways to go about it. and then we can have interesting conversations about the force and it leads to interesting storylines it also is very good fodder for the yuzan vong have arrived we need to fight them and <laughs> they have different ideas of how to do that right and then you would have ahsoka's which is very much like like antithetical to to the cal Kestis order Right, because Cal very much wants to reestablish the Jedi as they were, right? Like Cal and um, um, Seer, like they like when they talk about, you know, Tantalor and everything. It's like it's, it's very much about like we can we can bring the Jedi back, right? And then Ahsoka is very much like the Jedi had their chance. Like now it's time for something else, and you know I'm not a Jedi, and maybe that's why I'm the perfect person to train. Sabine, who is also not a Jedi, right? Like mm. there's sort of like the no Jedi. <laughs> um, and then and then you have Rey, who is like the actual next evolution of the Jedi Order, right? Of like looking at it and going like learning from the mistakes and, and evolving it into what it needs to be. Um, so, yeah, like I, I, that, that this is this is what I see when I look at all of this and I could be crazy. Um, well, on on that note, uh a few steps ahead with that prediction because a yeah. few things would have to kind of fall into place. But let me ask you for a different prediction. Let me ask you, what is going on with a night sister? Yeah. Two dark Jedi who, you know, Balan used to be a Jedi. So it's weird that he would be helping the empire, if not only to survive and a, former slash last inquisitor it's weird that these three fact again three factions are kind of coming yeah. together for throng what do you think each character's motivation i mean you kind of talked about balen already being like he's in survival mode like he's he's just yeah. trying to get by but like 
it's weird that a Jedi who might have survived Order 66 and the Republic, really the Empire, he survived the Empire and now he's serving it, essentially. Um, what do you think all of these characters have to get out of helping Thrawn get back? Because yeah. I, I, I'm having a difficult time seeing why these characters would be cooperating and why their uh, motivations are to bring this dude back because i think that the other faction of the empire the first order faction of the empire that that gideon is leading currently right from just from a story perspective he's not necessarily the leader obviously palpatine and snoke are the leaders of that right but um and uh um um oh what's his face uh gideon no the grandfather of um 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 from Force Awakens. The grandfather? Hux. Hux. Oh. Hux is, Hux is oh. Grandfather, right? Okay. So at the, at, the, at the point that we are Armitage Hux, I think is... Uh, no, Armitage is okay. his name, right? No, he's... He is Armitage Hux, I'm pretty sure. I think. Yeah, General Hux is Armitage. Yeah, Jack uh, Gleason is Armitage Hux, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's, I th- is that his father or his grandfather? I can't remember. But anyway, uh, I think it's his grandfather. I think you're right. Yeah. So like, because they're like with all the cloning and and um, the um, and the first order stormtrooper program, right? Because that's Armitage. It's his <coughs> whole deal. There's there's a there's a storyline that ties into the first season of Star Wars Rebels. If you remember, there's the episode where they infiltrate the academy on Lothal. Okay. Yeah. Sure. And there's the and there's the there's the three of them, right? There's Ezra. There's um, there's Jai who we saw last week in the, in the premiere episode. Right. Mm. Um, I, I, he's like a he's, Senator. Now he's a Senator now. Yeah. And then there, and then there's the third character. I can't remember his name right now, but there's a whole book series about him. Oh. Cause his, cause his sister went to the Academy and then disappeared. Right. And so his whole thing was like, I'm going to stay like I've made it into the program or whatever. And I'm going to go find out what happened to my sister. And there's a book series about where he goes. And it and it ties into the Force Awakens and um, and Finn and the and the the First Order Stormtrooper program, like the 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 reeducation program thing. So um, like they're brainwashing. So they've got all that going on. Right. That's very much that. That First Order looks exactly like the Empire. Right. Like in like, I mean, like there are women and people of color, so it doesn't look exactly like the Empire because the Empire, although that's been retconned pretty heavily since since Disney uh, acquired Star Wars. But mm. um, but initially, right, we know that 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 in the original trilogy, it was a conscious choice on on George's part that the Empire <coughs> be very much white British guys because right? mm. he, he was trying to make a point. It wasn't like a, he wasn't people will go like, well, Hogan's just all white men. And it's like, well, because that was actually like, that was, he was actually saying back in 1977 without saying it, that um, this is the problem. You guys, this is the problem. Like, <laughs> like he was very much saying at the time, like yeah, toxic masculinity and white supremacy are there. It's an issue. I know that we said that the Nazis are gone, but they're not really gone. He like, man, George is such a smart guy. Uh, he knew, he knew back in the seventies that this was still a thing and that eventually would rear its ugly head. And, uh, and that's the first order looks like that, right? The first order is the next generation of that. 
I think that to individuals like Balin, uh, a, a, a former Jedi, an enemy of the Empire, right? To an Inquisitor, who are like the sort of redheaded stepchild. Sorry, sorry to redheads, but the redheaded stepchildren of the Empire, right? It's like, ah, yes, they're that's a imperial. problematic phrase, Michael. I know. Yeah, there. <laughs> yes, we like. Yes, they're Imperials, but like the rest of the Empire kind of looks down on this whole Inquisitorious thing, right? It's like, okay, that's this is like Vader's little pet project thing, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's his weird superstition, like these they we can't trust them, right? Mm-hmm. And then you have a night sister who like who obviously has some connection to Thrawn that we don't know of yet, <coughs> we haven't gotten the full story of. But I would imagine that it's something akin to the Night Sisters were wiped out and Thrawn preserved some of their culture. Oh. And in, in doing so in doing so, I th- I think that I think that what they're setting up Elsbeth as is very similar to like in, in the heir to the empire stuff, the, the, the Nogri, right? Like, okay. Sort of like, like, like Thrawn sees value in, in them. And so they become sort of like his honor guard sort of thing. And I, oh, I think that there's a potential here of like Thrawn being in the empire, but not of the empire. Okay. Right, because he's a chiss. That I I think that like these these imperial misfits look at Thrawn <clears throat> as their only hope. Oh, right? cool okay. of salvation. Like, like I, I I'm kind of getting that sort of a like like these are not although they are threats and they are powerful and they are dangerous. Right, they are not what the empire considers their best of the best. That's mm. Gideon, right? Gideon's whole thing, yeah. dark troopers, stormtroopers, tie fighters, all of that, right? And then and and like what we got from from that whole thing with with Peleon was that like listen, even if Thrawn did come back, he's a freak. He's a weirdo. <laughs> he's not part of this anymore. He's gone, he's dead. But even if he was coming back, he's not the future. The cloning program is the future. The the stormtrooper program is the future like this is what palpatine's actually backing you know not that anybody else knows that palpatine is part of it but but um yeah like that's like like they all they i think they all feel that so i i think that's kind of what's going on there but i think it's all kind of a moot point because the mando storyline will deal <coughs> with all of this i think okay like 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 i i think that what will end up happening last week i not that it matters. Nobody's listening to it. Time doesn't mean anything. On the previous episode, I think I had said like, oh, I think maybe like the Mandalorian storyline splitting off into its own thing. And then, you know, this is so like it's going off into its own thing. Because I'm just kind of thinking about that other side of the galaxy, right? But I, I think that it's possible that at a certain point with Sabine being connected to all of this, that the Mandalorians will come to the aid of Ahsoka and Ezra and Sabine and in fighting Thrawn and the the threat like this sort of threat that's looming right sure um and preventing thrawn from getting back to the galaxy which i don't like we're kind of building towards this idea that like maybe thrawn will come back this season i think that we will see i mean we on the trailer we see thrawn on the the bridge of that of the, the eye of scion right so i think that they will find thrawn i think that they like the plan to bring him back will be 
put in play like it'll it'll be in action but i think that like <clears throat> i think that if they make it back to to the to the main galaxy that they'll be met by they'll be met by the mandalorians like like that that mm. will be the army because hera will have tried to convince the the new republic and they'll have said no and then hera will go to 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 din and bo katan and be like we need you right like we like like um, the ghost helped you at one point like like we helped you and now we need you to help us right yeah like like we restored mandalore once and now that mandalore is restored again we need you guys to come help us fight thrawn um which i think they'll be fully all like i think bo katan will be like absolutely because thrawn was part of all of that conflict in star Wars rebels, right? Like that was all, that was season three and four. So, um, yeah, like the, the super commandos and all of that, like that was all connected to Thrawn's story. So, so I think that, uh, I think she'll be motivated. I think she'll be motivated to join in the fight and to get to like rally the Mandalorian <coughs> to, to go fight Thrawn and, uh, and, and, and their threat. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that's, I kind of like, that's my, that's, that's, that's how I'm reading it right now is that these guys, these, these four, the four of them are kind of just like these weird misfits. It's like, cause like we haven't seen stormtroopers. We haven't seen, you know, uh, crimson guard. We haven't seen anything, right. We've seen these droids that, that, that Morgan Elspeth has. And we've seen, I, I, these four characters, right? So they're obviously operating outside of the Imperial remnant, right? Um, mm-hmm. Which I think is also how they're managing to stay under the radar and why, sure, yeah. why the new Republic is like, what are you even talking about? It's like, there's no, are these, are these guys part of the empire? Like there's nothing, there's no evidence to suggest that, right? There, we haven't seen TIE fighters or star destroyers. Right. Um, so, yeah. That's my that's my feeling on it. All right. Any any other brain busters? Ha. Uh, um Where is Ahsoka going to end up at the end of all of this? Yeah. Um <laughs> On the top of a mountain somewhere. Oh, okay. She's going to be the Dalai Lama that you have to journey to in order to yeah. In order okay. to... So she'll be a quest giver. Someday. Yeah, I think so. I think okay. that I think I think that she'll take over Yoda's role. Ah, um, neat. Okay. And that, like, I, I I can I can visually see Ahsoka literally like at the top of a mountain, like sitting cross legged on some sort of like a stone dais sort of thing, right? And her her montrals are the length that they should be and everybody can be happy about it be very long and like they're like draped and like on the ground sort of around her like in the sense of like of like even if she did get up she'd be like dragging them around because she's now like wizened and old um and uh, and ray like going to her to be like i've heard legends <laughs> like i don't like like i didn't i didn't even think that you were still alive and then ahsoka will speak and she'll be like i've heard your voice before like like for her to be like be like you are like you're out there and yeah 
Like, like if you were out here this whole time, then, you know, like somebody has to explain to Ray why she was alone. I think like, I think that that's important is that mm. there has to be a character <clears throat> to have that conversation with her. And I don't mm. think that it should be Luke. Uh, I don't like it. I, 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 in the same way that like Obi-Wan is just a disembodied voice in the, the sequel trilogy. And it's like his time has passed. I think it's time for Luke to not be a part of the story anymore. Um, I like peace and purpose, man. Like, like let the dude rest. Like he, like he gave, he literally gave everything to, to relight the fire. Right. Like, like let, let him, let him be at this point. Um, Let's stop dragging that corpse back into the story. Uh, Let's not do to Luke what the new Jedi order books did to Luke, which is like, get so bored of telling stories with him that eventually we go like, what if he did use dark side powers though? Like, is that okay? (laughs) Would that be okay? Like, cause he's like a super duper Jedi master and he's done everything else. So like, maybe it's okay. Um, Although I actually really like that stuff in the, in the, 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 (coughs) the darkness trilogy, the the Mm. one where they fight the ants. Um, oh, that's not a popular. I haven't read it, but I know that one is not like super. No, I know. Popular, I know every, yeah. everybody else hates those stories. I really like them. I, I really have like them. all I three of those books. Them. Um, yeah, it introduces a bunch of concepts that uh, that like for the first time. Uh, but we see in that one, we see Luke because Jason Solo in his quest to find a solution to the Yuuzhan Vong problem discovers Vergier and Vergier is this is where all the gray Jedi garbage comes from. Mm. Um, because Vergier is like, there is no light side or dark side. Like that's a Jedi thing. There's just the force. And, and the old Jedi before the Sith could tap into both. Like there was no, there was no, difference between these two things to them okay um and so over the course of that like that's how he ends up becoming i think darth cadis or something like that i can't remember he, mm. he turns to the dark side right yeah it's cadis yeah yeah because he starts he starts experimenting with that because virgir is like it's okay to use the dark side sometimes as long as it's for the right reason it's like oh yeah that sounds an awful lot like something a dark side user would tell you um it sounds an awful lot like i can i I can save her. We can save her together. <laughs> right? It's, oh, we can save the galaxy if we use the dark side. Um, um, and they do. And they and it and it does work, except for that's not actually what works. There's an Omasekot coming back and being like, I rejected you, and that's how you became the Yuzen Vong, and now you can come back and rejoin. And then, you know, love and compassion is actually what ends up saving the galaxy from the Yuzen Vong. But mm. anyways... Uh, that's why I say, like, when I say that, like, like, let's go like new Jedi order. Yes. Like we have a decade of stories that were told that, um, that absolutely actually, is it even a decade? How long was the new Jedi order? Seven years. Um, I have no idea. I have no anyways, idea. Anyways. I, but just like I, the Vong conflict, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't. I'm, I'm not uh, there, sure. There's so there's so much in that. There is so much fodder <laughs> for great storytelling for movies and TV shows. I mean, yeah, I, I, it's perfect. It's so perfect. It's, it is. It is where we need to go next. Mm-hmm. Retell those stories in a new way with new characters. But I, I, 
because it actually does have like a satisfying conclusion to it that if you put Ray at the center of that story instead, I think it'd be even better because that's her whole deal, right? Like her whole deal is love and compassion. Um, and it would be nice for her to have a story that actually like lives up to that. And as opposed to the Dragon Ball Z ending that we got. <laughs> um, but uh, anyways, I, I actually, you know what? Having just recently rewatched all of Dragon Ball Z, I, that's actually not the case either. Dragon Ball Z ends with like, actually like 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 love and compassion is again what saves everything like yeah and and majin buu who is supposed to be like the greatest threat ends up being like an ally and anyways it's uh yeah dragon ball z is actually super super good but you got to watch the uncut version don't watch the american dub (laughs) um anyways i i yeah yeah, like I, I don't know. I, just, I think like we, we, it's all, it's all set up perfectly. But, but that that whole thing with like Luke, so Jason goes to Luke and tells him all of this stuff, and then Luke is like, I guess, I guess maybe, I don't know. I guess maybe the dark side's not. Maybe I'll experiment with this. So in the in the, um, I think it's in the first one. I think it's in the Joiner King. There's a moment where they're like they're in a ship that's been like shot down and it's about to crash, and he uses. He calls on everything because he's like, we're all about to die, right? Uh, uh, like everybody, like a bunch of main characters are at that point are about to die. And so he calls on the dark side and there's like lightning coursing through his fingers as he's like, you know, uh, pulling this this ship, like uh, like stopping it from crashing and doing all this stuff. And uh, and by the end of it, he's like disfigured, like it's it's like messed with him, mm-hmm. and it's and and there's like this thing of like he has the moment of realization of like so we can it is possible to tap into that power without going down the dark path, but it comes at a price, like it it, it literally comes at the price of your life. Like it's like it sapped away my life force. And like, so there's a whole thing. And he's like, so he goes like to Jason, he's like, you can't do this anymore. You have to stop. And then of course, telling him to stop is the thing that propels him forward to, to do it even more. Jason ends up becoming just like an analog for Anakin in that, in, mm. in those later stories. Right? There's <clears> so right, much of man. like everybody warning him. And then him being like, the more people warn him, the more sort of prideful and boastful he gets about it. And, he does the force walking one and that like that's where they establish that ability as well, which is like he he gets somewhere first and he leaves an impression in the force. Like intentionally he leaves a sense memory in the force for mm. like that's a message for Leia and Jaina, I think. Like for when they get there. Like they get to this like crash site or something like that. And then like he's like, I I was here. I'm alive. I'm okay. Don't worry about me. I and like but like here's what's going on and he like he basically like just info dumps a bunch of exposition to them like through this ability but it was like it was a really cool way of looking at the force of like of like oh yeah i guess like time doesn't matter to the force i don't know like it's it's so like it's a conversation because he's like he can tell what they're gonna say back and forth so there's like a whole Mm. back and forth that they have even though he's not actually there so there's interesting stuff in that uh, but they're fighting bugs and people were like, Oh, well, why they're fighting bugs? And it's like, well, because they, the Sith are gone. And then we fought the Yuuzhan Vong and now they're gone and they gotta, they gotta fight something. 
Hmm. It's actually a reference back to an old Han Solo book, but um, that's why it's that's why they did the Dark Nest trilogy. But because uh, in one of the Han Solo adventure books, it opens with is it? I think it's Star's End. I think it's Star's End. I think it's the first one. Opens with it's either. <clears throat> It's either that one or Lost Legacy. It might be Lost Legacy, which is the mm-hmm. last one. But uh, one of those two opens with Chewie and Han are on some planet where it's like it's like insectoid creatures. They're like ant creatures. And um, they've got like a scam going where they're like they're they're charging them money. They are like not money. It's some sort of natural resource, I think, um, like gold or something like that for uh to play movies for them pretty much like they've they've basically (laughs) set up like a drive-in theater because like this this civilization doesn't have technology but han Mm. and chewie have like a projector i think they have like a droid with a hollow projector and it's like projecting old hollow vids like old old, Mm. like hollow dramas and or like maybe it's not even dramas i think it might be like the news or something like that and it's all great until like something comes up in one of them that like sets them all off and then there's like a whole moment where like like it like chewie gets back on the falcon they've got their droids i can't remember the name of their droids right now but um they have like the big droid with the little droid inside its stomach i uh, oh, okay they, they get back in the ship they get back in the falcon and they're taking off and like han has been like overtaken by these these bug people and he's like being like s- like swallowed up by them sort of thing and then oh, chewie like, saves him and and so it's like it's played off as like this pulpy adventure thing in that because that was like 1980, right? Like mm-hmm. 1979 or whatever when those were published. So it was very like light and fun. But then in the Dark Nest trilogy, there's a moment where like Han has flashbacks to it. And it's like it turns out that Han actually is like super afraid of insectoid sapiens. Like, <laughs> he has like a fear of them because of that experience and is like for me like i like i literally this is probably why i love these books so much cuz i had literally just finished reading those for the first time oh okay cuz cuz i they had done a collected edition so right when those came out which i think was like 2006 or 2007 um so like they had just done the collected edition of those three books right of the the uh stars and hansel's revenge and hansel and the lost legacy um and uh and i I, and i read through it i I, like 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 in a couple of days because those books are (laughs) so good those are my favorite star wars books um which is why solo is my favorite star wars movie because it's literally just a movie version of one of those books i and then and then the next thing that i read was that was the the joiner king which is the first book in that trilogy so okay that probably, I probably just figured all of that out. I just explained why, <laughs> why I like those books more than other people. But there you go. I also skipped a lot of the New Jedi Order at the time. Hadn't read it. And then, and then just jumped in there and was like, I have no idea what happened. I don't know how they solved this problem. I wouldn't <laughs> figure it out for a while until I think the essential, the new essential chronology came out. And then I read that and was like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Um, but uh, yeah. I'd only, I think I'd only read like two or three of the New Jedi Order books. Not really, not a lot of them. But, anyways, hmm. that was all. Like, like New Jedi Order and Clone Wars, like, like Clone Wars movie stuff. 
kind of all happened at the same time, all the movie tie-in books. And I was like, I can't, like, I can't, I have to divide my, my attention, you know? Like, <laughs> like, so I was very much a prequel Clone Wars apologist. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I spent all my time reading, like, cause when I look up at the books that I've kept, cause I've gotten rid of a lot of my Star Wars books. But when I look up at the ones that I've kept, like, do I, ha- do I even have a single, no, there's not a single new Jedi Order book up there. Hmm. I've got I've got the Republic Commando books, Splinter of the Mind's Eye, the Han Solo books, multiple copies of each of them. Uh, I have a novelization of The Empire Strikes Back from from 1980. Uh, <laughs> uh, it's like a first printing. Uh, new Dawn, which is the Star Wars Rebels prequel, mm-hmm. and then. <coughs> um, Dark Rendezvous, Incestus Deception, Shadows of the Empire, and yeah, Tales of the Bounty Hunters. Those are the only novels that I, that I oh, oh, and I also have a first printing of Star Wars, like Star Wars, the 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 nineteen seventy six one, the one that came out. Oh, the cool. Movie that came out um, that my dad found for me. But that's yeah, awesome. Like that's it. Oh, and Shatterpoint. Shatterpoint's up there as well. Sorry, mm. Ray was standing in front of it. Um, <laughs> So yeah, that's a, like so. Shatterpoint, Dark, Dark Rendezvous, Cestus Deception, like those were my jam at that time. And I was like, New Jedi Order, get out of here! You can't even pronounce half this stuff. What's a what's a what's a Yuzahan Vanga? I mean, to be fair, there's plenty of that in Star Wars. <laughs> it's it's in the what, what, like Cestus. It's like C E S T U S. Like what a dumb <laughs> a jumble of consonants and vowels so it's all star wars that's all star wars if you're going to name something with star wars just put letters where they don't belong and make it sound like something else uh (laughs) speaking of ahsoka uh i think we did it man i think that's it yeah there wasn't too much substance this episode so which is fine it moved the plot some fun action i'm 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 in and I'm excited to see what happens next. So. It was a, it was a lot of like myth drops and yeah, of cool. Like, here's this and here's this and here's this and and I don't know. Hu Yang with the training things was pretty rad. I liked that. Um, and then them being like, that's clearly a giant hyperspace ring, but what yeah. for? Um, <clears throat> which I love. Man, the idea that they're like. <laughs> The first time we saw a hyperspace ring was because we saw a Jedi starfighter and a Jedi starfighter was like, okay, so we've made this little tiny starfighter. They're actually Jedi starfighters. Delta sevens. The the first ones from attack of clones are very small compared to they're even, they're smaller than an a wing, right? Like, cause they're, they're more slender than an a wing. They're both like kind of roughly the same, <coughs> the same length, but like, but, but in terms of profile, like there, it's a very small ship. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then they were like, okay, so logically, how do we figure this out? Okay. Well, it's got this thing that it docks with, right. And cause it was supposed to be a little individual star destroyer, right. That was the idea is that like, Oh, the Republic turns into the empire. Don't forget. So they turned a, a star destroyer, that wedge shape into a starfighter, mm-hmm. And so it's this little tiny starfighter, And they're like, well, we'll, we'll give it this ring this hyperspace docking ring, which is a cool idea. It's a beautiful concept. The concept art in the, in the art book is 
fantastic, right? And it's one of the it's it's one of the most iconic things I think from Attack of the Clones, right? Like to me, like the 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 Delta Seven and the Clone Troopers are like the most iconic things from that. Mm. Um. So then to turn around in the year 2023 and go the chimera got launched into hyperspace to the other side of the galaxy right that's what we kind of knew from the end of rebels we figured unknown regions or something like that and now we're learning like no no not the other side of the galaxy other side of the universe like like another galaxy (laughs) it's like okay so the purgles did that how do we get the chimera back to this galaxy well if the hyperspace rings worked for little tiny versions of star destroyers, then let's make a gigantic hyperspace ring for a star destroyer. And I just think that Dave Filoni is a beautiful <laughs> human being. I just think that he's fantastic. And I just, and I just, uh, I'll just, I'm just going to hug him the next time I see him. If he's okay with it, I'll get consent first. <laughs> get consent. Get consent. I've shaken, I, I've, I've shaken his hand on multiple occasions and I gave him a t-shirt one time. Oh, cool. Um, with some art that I made on it, but uh, for for front lines, uh, but I, uh, but yeah, the next time I see him, I'll be like, I would like to hug you, and he'll be like, okay, I get that a lot. I don't want to hug you. I'll be like, you don't have to hug me, but I would like to tell you why I would like to hug you, and, <laughs> and he'll be like, okay, sure, because he's very patient with fans, um, even though he doesn't need to be, uh, and uh, and then I will tell him. It's because you made a you made a you made a super weapon in like a hyperspace ring into a super weapon. That's what you did. You went like <laughs> what stupid gigantic thing? Because like oh you know Star Destroyer, Sun Crusher, Death Star, Star Killer Base. What what's mine? What what am I gonna make it? What's mine gonna be? And you were like giant hyperspace ring. And I just and I just thank you for that, Dave wherever you are whatever you're doing right now you can't hear this because we haven't released this episode but thank you just thank you for that because other people are like star wars is explosions and i'm like no star wars is dumb and i mean that in like the most positive way possible and i can think of fewer things as dumb as hyperspace ring for little starfighter make big (laughs) make really big really really big super big that's about like that is peak star wars dumb and uh and i love everything about it i i and it's like to me that is perfect it is like it fits right in with muddy chewbacca have shower now (laughs) right shower with han even dumber even dumber so good best scene in the entirety of soul um <laughs> that whole that whole sequence that whole sequence from the time that han and chewie meet until like they're on the they're on the gangway of the uh of the at hauler before it takes off into space mm. i that is like that's that's my favorite part i mean like uh, uh, i'll go even further and say like through the the um the whole train sequence the train sequence is so good oh my god solo is such a good movie you guys Whenever you're listening to this, just, you know, stop what you're doing. Ahsoka's done. We finished it, right? Who knows when Skeleton Crew is coming out? They've probably yeah. delayed it because of the strike. Uh, just go watch Solo. 
Squash Soul. Cool. Okay, that's it. That's an episode. We did it. We made a we made a podcast. Joe, can you hear me? No. Nope. <clears throat> I it's, I'm not even gonna. We're not even gonna like fix it. I I I am going to tell Joe via messenger say goodbye, and then he's gonna say goodbye. Probably right about now. Just say, Joe, just say goodbye. Goodbye. There it is. Bye, everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's the episode. Thank you guys for listening. Whenever it is that you have listened to this. And uh, thank you to uh, all of you that support us on Patreon and all of that sort of stuff. Patreon.com slash Thundercrack. Join us on Discord to talk about stuff um, a million years in the future once the AMPTP has uh, finally relented and, and given a fair deal to the studio, uh, to, uh, not to the studios. That is the studios to the, uh, to the, 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 I can't think of the word right now. The screen actors guild and the WGA, the <coughs> unions, unions. That's the word I'm looking for. I uh, so hopefully that's all been resolved and that's why we were able to release these episodes. Uh, thank you guys for listening and we will catch you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Thunderquack Force Perspectives. Our opening theme is composed for us by Christy Carew. Follow Force Perspectives on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at ForcePOV. And join us on Discord at thunderquack.com slash Discord. Support the show by visiting us at patreon.com slash thunderquack to get early access to episodes, leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast service, or buy merch at store.thunderquack.com. Force Perspectives is a part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network.